Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm your host, Josh Iman. And I'm Thomas Welch. And we got a we got a good one for you today. First episode of November, first episode of the Locked On offseason, per se. Um, we know there's a lot of big news in the world going on right now with the election. We're going to try to stay away from that for now because everything's still up in the air and just bring you some hockey talk. We're going to talk about Colton Pareko moving into the number one role. Also talk about the NBA season rapidly approaching and what we think that could mean for the NHL season and more. But first, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, Tommy. So before we get into um, the Blues talk and Colton Pareko, uh, news has been coming out of the NBA, flying out of the NBA. Their season uh, ended around the same time as the NHL. Mm-hmm. But they're they're looking to get it started up really, really quickly. Um, and and the, the date right now that they're looking at is December 22nd which would be absolutely crazy. Um, I know the NHL has said they don't even plan on getting started before 2021, but do you three think... Three days before that, Christmas, too. Like, that yeah, sounds a three days chaotic. before Christmas. Mm-hmm. They would ha- and they haven't even had the draft yet. They haven't had free agency yet. Um, I don't really understand how they would try to have all of that happen in the next six weeks, but do you think the NHL wants to get their season going early as well because I know I know it's going to be very difficult to complete a full season and, and get back on track if you're a professional sports league so what, what do you think the NHL wants to do you think they want a shorter season you think they want an earlier start all of the above uh, I think well I think it's easy to say like right off the top of the dome that any, anybody wants to get their like season started as quickly as possible even like all things considered just so they can kind of like fast track their timeline to getting back to like a normal schedule as quick as possible and that makes sense um, mm-hmm. but from the last report that I saw it looked like uh, the NHL could be possibly uh, pushing back their like soft start day of January to February um, mm-hmm. so that makes me think that even though like this league wants to get like up and rolling as quickly as possible like at the end of the day uh, you gotta take a lot of things into consideration and it's not like it's not something that should be rushed you know what i'm saying like it shouldn't feel like you're rushing into something just to kind of like pile everything together uh last minute and i feel like that's kind of what the nba is leaning towards whereas the nhl mm-hmm. is trying to like go about it more diligently and make sure that like everything's lined up and in order and doing it safely while also mm-hmm. like maintaining speed i guess at the same time right i agree and um another thing i know a lot there were some reports that owners were talking about some owners wanted to just cancel the season entirely in order to uh save revenue save profits Mm -hmm. uh that was quickly quickly debunked uh reports came out that the bare minimum will be a 48 game season which honestly after watching the mlb do their thing i i wouldn't be completely opposed to like a 48 game nhl season just because i think it would be a lot of fun um it would kind of suck because it would kind of then give two seasons that feel a little 
a little altered due to COVID and stuff like that. Yeah, but people want to talk about the asterisks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Lot, and it would that. right, right. And a forty-eight game season would absolutely give another opportunity for an asterisk. But I mean, it, the the range that they're giving in the reports is between forty-eight and sixty-five. Is sort of the the preemptive guesses. It could be eighty-two. It could be anything in between that. But it seems like I, I I wouldn't expect to get a full eighty-two game season out of the NHL this year. Yeah, I think I don't know. I I don't know. The like them pushing it back makes me think that they might, but also at the same time, like we talked about in terms of scheduling and stuff, like it makes more sense to try and like I don't know, squeeze one in and then get back to normalcy, I guess. Mm-hmm. In the event that normalcy even happens soon. Right. Well, and you need to remember no winter classic, no all-star breaks. So right. is is the NHL going to be implementing like the bye weeks like they've tried in the past? It, it really is. There's a lot up in the air because I don't think the NHL would want to sort of squeeze in a season in, in too short of amount of time because I don't think I think if any sport couldn't do that besides like the NFL, it's the NHL. You can't you can't do it any any at any of a higher pace than you already do. I think right. just in terms of injuries and all that sort of thing, so their their hands are definitely tied. I think right now, if you're if you're the person in charge of getting this next NHL season started, and you can even look at like at the NFL this season and see like because I, oh, I felt like the they kind of like dude, there's been so many injuries and all of them are like drastic, you know, and to stars too, and that's the last thing you want as like a league, especially in a pandemic where you're already hard pressed for money, is for your stars to go down that like draw people in and you can like advertise and stuff Uh, so like in that regard rushing it's not a great idea either because these athletes like like you talked about, like go through a grueling process and like week in and week out with these games and like the recovery process and the less time you give them to recover and train and all of that stuff the more likely they are to get injured and more likely we are to see revenue loss i guess because if your stars go down then you're not gonna be making as much money right right and and on the other end of it you look at these teams like if you look at the nhl you look at teams like detroit buffalo teams that haven't played since march um they're gonna be on one hand they're gonna want to play earlier but on the other hand, you got guys that maybe haven't skated competitively in almost a full year. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're looking at the NBA, it's looking like that's going to move extremely quickly. It's looking like it's going to be shortened training camps, shortened preseason. Season's going to start right away. Boom. And and while that's great for the players that are just playing in the playoffs, um, teams that haven't played in months and months and months, they aren't going to be in shape to start a season super rapidly, which could lead to injuries and could lead to situations like that. So you almost wonder, like, teams that went really deep in the playoffs and and had a significantly longer season than other teams is that a huge advantage starting a season early because you got a team like the Detroit Red Wings who haven't skated competitive well they haven't skated competitively since 2009 but they haven't skated competitively since March um, versus a team like Tampa you know who was just doing it last week how different are those are those locker rooms going to be in terms of simple simply fitness and, and being prepared to start a new NHL season right it's going to be it's going to be tough um, I'm looking forward to it uh, I'm looking forward to the new season I think it's going to be fun uh, I just miss hockey bro I, I do I miss <laughs> every hockey. time it leaves I'm like hmm like come back please I know that's I, all I care about <laughs> it should be in in a normal timeline, we'd be starting the the regular That's season. What I'm saying. Yeah, like a month ago. Uh, yeah. About, oh well. Oh well. All right, we are getting close to the first break of this episode, so I want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. You heard them about them in the intro, but I'm going to tell you a little bit more. So Built Bar, as you know, is the best tasting protein bar ever. 
and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. You have the 12 classic original flavors, including mint brownie, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, all the delicious ones. But then they came out with six brand new amazing flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. But the best part is they are healthy. So there's a, there's a candy bar that is good for you. You're missing out if you're not trying one. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for someone on a diet. Uh, if, you're, if you're like me, you love the cookies and cream flavor. Uh, and if you're getting that, you're only getting seven, you're getting 17 grams of protein, but only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And we'll be right back with the second half of today's episode. All right, Sami. So, an uh, article came out recently uh, discussing Colton Pareko, and I know we've been kind of talking about it uh, all throughout the the offseason, sort of, ever since Petrangelo's left, that someone's going to have to step up on the defensive end for this team. And we kind of assumed it would be Pareko, but this article really put it into perspective that I guess Doug Armstrong and this team expects him to take over the reins and be that alpha alpha dog number one guy on the back end. Uh, just simply put, Tommy, you think he's capable? Um, I would I would like to say yes, honestly. Um, and I know like it's it's not to say that like he's gonna fill the shoes of a guy like Alex Petrangelo, who's given so much to the organization and uh, like is in like the record books as one of like the most productive Blues defensemen of all time. Um, but I mean, if you look at the guy's stats, his rookie year. 33 points, 35 points, 35 points after that. Um, dropped down to 28 in 2018 and got... He matched his stat... So he matched his stat line, like, identically. Last 10, season... 10 goals, 18 assists. Yep. Yeah, and 28 points in 16 less games. So that makes me think that he's trending up, uh, mm. which is always a good sign to see in young defensemen. Um, but I think one of the main things going to be for him and I, I think they talked about this on 101 is can he can he be that kind of hybrid player where like like we know he's sound defensively right and we know that he's got that howitzer of a slap shot but one can he reel that slap shot in and put pucks on net because at the end of the day if you can hit a puck hard it doesn't matter if you're just slinging it over the over the boards every time you know mm-hmm. and it gives it gives guys around the net a better chance when they're thrown off the pads or even if they make the save. Uh, so we got to get those corralled on goal, especially if he stays on the power play. And then two, can he be that physical presence that, like, I mean, Colton Pareko's a big dude. I don't know how tall. He's like 6'5", something. 6'6", six, right? six, six, yeah, Big, big like body that. back there. Seven, but he does, it does, He's not laying the wood on guys. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be like a big hitter, but just like using his body and that physicality as another aspect to his game to be that all-around defenseman uh, that I think a lot of people around the league know that he's capable of, and I think that he knows that he's capable of, uh, but that we haven't really seen that intensity on the back end yet. Um, So I think if he taps into that, he'll be a true number one defenseman and kind of like those people that are touting him as one of like the top 20 guys, I don't think he's there yet. Um, but I think he has just, the potential to be at, there. At, at and, this, time. 
Right. Well, I'm just saying. I just, I'm just saying. There was a lot of people talking about that. I don't. I think he's on the cusp of that, maybe. And I think this season could be where he pushes into that group. But I don't think he's shown us everything that he's capable of yet on the ice. Right. Uh, well, I disagree. I think there has been one stretch where he has shown us his potential and i don't know if you remember a, a little a little thing called the uh, the 2019 playoffs uh <laughs> something fun happened there oh that is true but is true. if i were to ask you who were well, he also three... had Bo to lean on so okay that that's fair that's fair but if i were to ask you who are the three most valuable players in either the playoffs as a whole or that boston series i think colton Breco is in that top three i would agree um, if you look at well. if you look at the series against Boston, him and Petrangelo basically combined for sixty minutes a night every single night. Um, so at any point in time, especially in Game Seven, I'm pretty sure there were only six seconds where one of those two players weren't on the ice. Um, Colton Preco and Alex Petrangelo kept the back end on lock for a majority of that series but also especially game seven um pareko played just as many minutes as petrangelo and shut the bruins down just as much as petrangelo did and throughout that entire series he was a tremendous lockdown defenseman throughout that entire playoffs he was a lot of type people get people were talking about pareko for con Smythe heading into the Stanley cup final um, that was that. right so when when it's tough to say we've seen anything like that in the regular season but the way he looked in the playoffs, it wasn't like a, a flash in the pan sort of thing because it, it wasn't like he was just scoring goals and getting lucky. He was playing some of the most consistent, tight lockdown defense that I've seen out of anyone on the Blues not named Alex Petrangelo. And he played almost four more minutes per game in that in those playoffs than he has in any regular season or playoffs otherwise. So I think that with the increased ice time this year, he will be able to kind of come into his own and regain that confidence and that, that ability that he was playing with in that playoff run. Because if we get that Colton Pareko as our number one defenseman next year, this team will be just fine. Oh, 100%. I agree with you there, like, wholeheartedly. Like, uh, he was definitely one of the best players on the ice in the playoffs. The problem with that whole conversation is, like, anytime you talk about the playoffs, it's like a small sample size, right, as opposed to the season. And so, like, a lot of people after... Because Bennington went absolutely nuts in the playoffs too, right? And then the next season, he kind of saw, like, a regression, and Jake Allen kind of steamrolled for our team. Um, so I think at the end of the day, the question, like 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 you said, uh, the potential is definitely there for him to be that kind of defenseman, even if he's leaning on a guy like Jay Bomeister. Um, I feel like Scandella is a similar type of player. Maybe not the yeah. same magnitude, Breco and but he has the same were, play style. They were dynamite together. Um, right. And at the end of that regular season when Scand- when the Blues went, whatever, 9-0, 8-0 with Scandella, Pareko looked like the Pareko of the playoffs. Um, didn't really have that when the playoffs started, but when he was playing with Scandella during that regular season stretch, he looked just as dominant as he did um, in the year pre- in the year prior in that playoff run. Um, but you also think, well, yeah, then we're lacking offense. What if he can't produce that offense? And I think that's fine because they just pulled in one of the best offensive defensemen in the league in Tory Krug. Even if they're not playing on the same the same tandem, um, there was a lot of pressure on Alex Petrangelo to not only be the best defensive defenseman on the team, but also the best offensive defenseman on the team because they didn't really have anyone else to fill in that role. They brought in Falk as an attempt, but he didn't really do it. Now they have two guys that that are solely offensive defensemen in Justin Falk and Tory Krug, which hopefully takes some of the pressure off Pareko in that end. Yeah, I would, I would I would definitely agree with that, and I think 
I think uh, that's another good point is that I think like getting that monkey off his back in the playoffs when Justin Falk scored that goal, I feel like that gave him a lot of confidence going into this offseason. Um, so I feel like he's going to make a drastic turnaround, uh, especially on this Blues team, like in his second season. But uh, that's a good point about the Krug signing as well. Like Pareko doesn't have to be like that offensive guy. So I hope they don't force him to be like... Right, like, like if he's not working out on the power play, like just put right, well, which else, he you know which he never has. He's right. he's been able to somewhat quarterback the power play, but he doesn't really have a, a quick enough or accurate enough shot to be dangerous back there, and that's fine because he's not an offensive defenseman. And honestly, putting him out there on the power play probably only took away from the rest of his game, took away from his minutes on the penalty kill, took away from his minutes five on five. So if he kind of has that weight off his back, if there's another defenseman that much better suits that role, whether it's Krug, whether it's Perunovic, whether it's it's Justin Falk. Colton Pareko can do what he is designed to do, and that is be gigantic, have have a eighteen long foot reach. long hockey right, eighteen yeah. foot long <laughs> hockey stick that covers half of the defensive zone and shut plays down, and then occasionally generate um, offense with his sneaky speed and his sneaky acceleration. Yeah, but I think I think what it comes down to basically is can he be consistently like one of the top guys? Because like, when you ever whenever you make the argument about like the playoffs, I always think about like the end of the spectrum and like the playoffs that happened this year. And like, if you're if you're going off like synopsis of like what players did in the playoffs this year, it's it's like two intense ends of the spectrum. You know what I'm saying? Because there's not a lot of guys in the playoffs this year that played to their full potential. So I think. Um, somewhere in the middle of that is like Colton Pareko's median, um, giving him like more playing time. Obviously, uh, like if it works out on the power play or giving him more weapons on the power play, uh, kind of like shifting his pairings. I think it's seeing him uh, some ice time with Tory Krug could be cool, just to kind of like switch things up and have like a small body on one side, fast speed guy offensive, and then like a defensive pairing on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things, there's a lot of options that this Blues team can go down, but a lot of them, defensively at least, revolve around Colton Pareko. So I think I think Agreed. it's fair that the assessment that he's like kind of the head guy back there, I think that I think that Agreed. makes a lot of sense. Agreed. All right, we are getting close to the end of today's episode, so let's take one more short break, and we will be right back to wrap this one up. All right, Tommy. So I think you put it perfectly when there are a lot of ways this defense can look next year. There are a lot of different combinations that I think the Blues can go with, um, a lot of different guys they can rely on in different positions. But I think the one constant in any in any defensive scheme, any pairings, any whatever, is Colton Breco is the guy. I think there's no way around it anymore. There's no, there's no well, if Breco doesn't go, we have Petrangelo. Nope, Breco is the best defenseman, defensive defenseman on this team. And I, I don't think there's any argument you can make there. Um, now, you could look at that as a bad thing and say, well, shoot, that's not as good as Petrangelo. And and that's that. I don't want to rely on a guy like Colton Pareko to be our number one defenseman. You could be in that boat. Or you could say, well, now it's finally time to see what he's got, see what he's see if he can handle the reins of, a te- of having a, a, a team uh, behind him and the defensive end. And I, I think if I were to get if I were to if I were a betting man, I would I would bet on him kind of taking advantage of this opportunity and stepping into this role and doing a really good job. But it, it's it's definitely I think as of right now the biggest question mark heading into the season. The biggest thing that will make or break the blue success is the success of Colton Break on the back end. Right. I, I would I would agree just in terms of like 
generally, but also if you think about it, like, like so let's say Colton Pareko has a down year and like mm. people aren't like impressed with him or whatever, but Justin Falk goes off, Tori Krug goes off, and Prunovich comes up and he just like fits right in and lights the world on fire. Like this Blues defensive core could still be productive and still be fine without Colton Pareko being like spearheading the whole thing if that makes sense um, just because they are so deep so I think in that regard they have a little wiggle room um, and they're better off than a lot of teams would be in terms of like putting all of their faith and all of their like energy into one guy um, but, I, but I, do, I do think at the end of the day like Colton Pareko is a guy that a lot of people have talked about like has the potential to be a top guy in the league uh, so you'd like to see him uh, take advantage of that situation, especially now that Alex Petrangelo is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that, that comes to mind for me is I remember during the Blues playoff run, the there was some report where their defense was the biggest unit in the league by far. You know, you had Pareko at like 6'6", Petrangelo 6'1", 6'2", Bortuzzo's like 6'4", Bowmeister's like 6'3". They had mm-hmm. absolute tanks back there in the yeah. defensive end and they, and they played that way they played that style they played very kind of slow lockdown defense but now you look at the roster you got Justin Falk who's a little undersized Tori Krug who is extremely undersized Scott Perunovich who is extremely undersized this is not going to be the same Blues defense that we saw in the cup run or even last year this is going to be a much more fast paced high fire um, defensive unit that's going to control the pace offensively a lot more than we've seen in years past which Again, it's going to put even more pressure on Pareko to lock down defensively because we don't have as many responsible defensemen in their own zone as we did in previous years. But it also is going to open up space for guys like Justin Falk and Tori Krug. And you look at Justin Falk and you say, okay, yeah, maybe he didn't succeed last year because he was the only offensive defenseman amongst five other pretty much defensive defensemen. So it, it, I think there's reason for optimism in terms of getting offense out of the defensive unit this year. I do too. And I, and I honestly, like, you can also make the argument that this could be a nod, uh, that this season honestly could be a nod to how the Blues – uh, want to sculpt themselves, I guess, down the road. Because, like like you said, for the longest time, they've always been a team that have, like, prided themselves on defense, have a bunch of two-way players, don't really have, like, uh, like offensive superstars, but they have a lot of guys that do everything well. Um, and the little things and the physicality that this team brought and what led them to a Stanley Cup championship. But uh, you look at their prospects and guys like Jordan Cairo and a guy like Clem Cost and a guy like Robert Thomas, like, the, like, the next regime, really, I guess, or the generation of Blues players that are coming up right now that seem talented um, are all kind of skill and speed-based. So if, like, say, Tory Krug lights it up this season, Colton Pareko doesn't do too well, and Justin Falk lights it up, like, that could be kind of, like, the way that this team decides, like, okay, well, we've got these guys that are doing well and they're all speed, so, like, if someone doesn't fit that mantra in the next couple of seasons, then... We'll get some guys that do. You know what I'm saying? And I think that would be a really interesting dynamic because I can't remember the last time this Blues team was was like a speed skill team. You know? Yeah, what I'm saying? I would. I would love. I would love to see that. I think it would allow for so much more room uh, for because when you have a. a, a you gotta get guys that play at a high pace of play. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But it also opens up room for more creativity. Right. Uh, I, f- I feel like in in years past, the Blues have been a very, very system based team, um, which 
kind of prevents players from thriving individually, but really allows mm-hmm. guys to thrive as a unit, which right. is great. But you can have a little bit of a mixture of both. And I feel like this year we might see a little bit more of a lean towards guys creating plays solely on their own, driving offense on their own. And if you look at players like Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, what have we constantly praised those two guys on? Their ability to make plays out of absolutely nothing. They, right. you know, I, I think back to Jordan Cairo's goal versus Colorado right before we had him on the podcast. When he picked up the puck in the defensive zone, we blinked. Next thing you know, puck was in the net. Um, Blues have a lot of guys who are really, really skilled and who can drive offense and create their own plays out of nothing. And they still have the guys like Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, Jaden Schwartz, who are just going to be pests and gritty and grind grind the puck down on the boards and then throw it out to a guy like Robert Thomas, who will deke between the next three defensemen and, and put the puck on the net. So I think we're going to see a bit more of a hybrid style at St. Louis this year in terms of offense offensive mm-hmm. high flying and scheme defensive playing but I'm excited I don't think it's it. I don't think it's been talked about enough either but Vince Dunn is the same way I mean he's like you watch the guy like skating around out there he skates very similar to Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas in the way that he uh, carves up the ice so I, I think that could be a big benefit to him as well opening up the ice because he is an offensive defenseman and he does have that ability um, but like you said he's kind of been in a system where the creativity isn't really admired i guess like it's more of a team style so right we could see a huge season from vince dunn it's a very well possibility well i would argue that creativity almost isn't allowed under the blue system and again that's not a negative it's just more so you play that you play the system and you succeed and this year kind of if if uh, if my prediction is correct and there is a lot more of kind of room for not error but room for room for um being creative and and sort of making your own plays i think we could really see young guys like robert thomas and jordan Cairo thrive tremendously in that mm-hmm. system um i mean yeah you, look- you can even just look as far as like that jordan Cairo goal and then like mm-hmm. the fact like a couple nights later he's on the fourth line and they're telling him he needs to be uh more cognitive with like defensively and where he's at without the puck it's like I get what they're saying, and like he needs to be like an NHL player all around. But at the end of the day, like if he's scoring highlight reel goals, you gotta gotta let the reins loose a little bit. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. I'm looking forward to it. All right, Tommy. I think that's all we got for today. Um, what, what do you got? Anything else? Anything else to add before we wrap this one up? No, that's all I got. No. All right. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We are back to three episodes a week for November. But Tommy and I are really excited about that. We're hoping that means we get a lot more action-packed episodes down the yeah. line. Um, it's going to be fun. Let's so try stay stuff. tuned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lockdown Blues to stay up to date with everything we've got going on. Follow me at Josh Hammond NHL. Follow Tommy at T Welcher 15 Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.